you know, coming up quite often. Yeah. And people are talking about it as this time going, especially as as leverage becomes a a, a more sexier thing, right? right? And it doesn't matter what space it is, and if it's real estate, if it's business, whatever, like leverage is the the key to building wealth. Right. Robert Kiyosaki talks about it. Grant Cardone talks about it. Like all these right. big ball players, everybody but your boy Dave. <laughs> talks Dave Ramsey about it. is so so. <laughs> if don't even type in what does Dave Ramsey think about premium finance? Because number one, I don't think he has any videos or anyone has talked to him about that. And number two, he's gonna hate it because you use debt to buy life insurance. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. We're going to talk about premium finance, which is essentially how rich people buy life insurance or could buy life insurance. And, and to do that, we have Dominic Rufrin, who is the end asset specialist, the muscle man, the, the researcher. And we're going to draw you some pictures. Disclaimer, I don't know how this video is going to be, but I, hopefully it's, it's good. And if it is, please give us a thumbs up, comment below. Yeah, how's that? I would like set you up and then kind of cut off your your legs in the process. The thing is, is Caleb has no idea how any video is ever going to go. Like you, if you watch like the last couple of videos that we've done, it's been very ranty and he's fired up and passionate and we get a little off topic sometimes. So I'm fired up because I've watched like 10 Dave Ramsey videos and I have a notebook that's filled with response videos to Dave Ramsey. So I, I get fired up because so many people watch this guy and I'm like, if I look at our views, I'm like, we should have 10 times more views. So that's why I'm fired up. I'm sorry. Oops. No, no, that's okay. I get that. And I respect it. But today we will be talking about premium finance and uh, we can go a little bit more in depth as time goes on. If you have questions about it, like feel free to ask, but I think it would be a good overview to just discuss what it is, who it's for, maybe some things to look out for. Uh, Cause it is something that's, you know, coming up quite often yeah. and people are talking about it as, as time goes, especially as leverage becomes a, a, a more sexier thing. Right? right. And it doesn't matter what space it is. And if it's real estate, if it's business, whatever, like leverage is the the key to building wealth. Right. Robert Kiyosaki talks about it. Grant Cardone talks about it. Like all these right. big ball players, everybody but your boy Dave. <laughs> Dave Ramsey is so, so <laughs> if don't even type in, what does Dave Ramsey think about premium finance? Cause number one, I don't think he has any videos or anyone has talked to him about that. And number two, he's going to hate it because you use debt to buy life insurance. So can I just give an overview of what I think premium finance yeah, is? Okay. I'm teeing this up. So premium finance is for wealthy people because you need to have a net, net worth of $5 million or more. I know there's exceptions, but $5 million or more. And it's to say, hey, life insurance has benefits in the future, especially estate value benefits. So I, I want life insurance death benefit or the cash value income that life insurance can provide. And what I'm going to do is instead of coming out of pocket with massive premiums, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to have them pay the premium. I'm going to pay the interest. Sometimes it can be deductible. And as a result, this policy will perform in such a way that I can pay off the loan in the future with my cash value, have a massive death benefit, and out of pocket very little. And my estate will either get a massive legacy and or if the math works out well, which you, we could debate all day long, you could have an amazing tax advantage income stream and you could look like a genius because you use leverage to buy that asset. Yeah, and I think it's important to have this conversation because there's individuals that are hearing about premium finance yep. that may not be qualified for it, and it may not best suit them. It may not even be a, a need for them, but they think that because, hey, I don't have to put any money out of my pocket yeah. and I can get this massive 
death benefit and cash value perspective that I can borrow against and use, well, then it's got to be great. Like, can I get that, please? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just hearing that, like, I can get this massive death benefit, massive cash value, and I don't have to put any money out. Obviously, I want to know that. Right. I want that. Uh, but there's a lot more risks and factors that are involved with it that you know we're not bringing up in just a day-to-day conversation. So, Caleb, you definitely teed it off right. I think that is a fantastic way to overview it. And here's something that I want to be clear in regards to who this is for, okay? Caleb mentioned that this is for a wealthy individual, okay, that has five to seven million dollars of net worth, or an exception can be five hundred thousand dollars of cash fa- of of annual income on the annual basis as well. And there is a lot of restrictions around this, and yep. and I say a lot of restrictions because people were selling this, yep. and there was a lot of lawsuits, a lot yep. of policies that were lapsing, a lot of risks that were involved. Interest rates started changing, and People were like, hey, my policy is not performing. You're doing what it said it was going to do. Now I want to sue you. And you know, if there's a lot of money involved, a lot of people with a lot of money, attorneys, et cetera, CPAs, people are going to get sued for this product. And so ultimately, I want to be able to uh, just kind of state that this has to be set up for the right person. Right. It's got to be set up appropriately. And you have to understand the risks that are involved. And if you're okay with the risks and you still understand everything, then great then go ahead and move forward with it. Right. I personally do not believe that premium finance should be a cash value play. Okay. Okay. I do not believe that it should be focused on the cash value piece. I agree okay? with you, by the way. The death benefit is a very, very attractive piece when it comes to premium finance for the right individual. And that right individual, I always like to say, if you cannot pay for this policy, right? If you cannot pay for this policy out of your pocket, more than likely, you should not be thinking about a premium finance deal. Okay, so let's just say the premiums were $100,000 a year. Yep. Okay? That $100,000 a year provided $10 million of death benefit. If you cannot afford that $100,000 mm-hmm. of premium, more than likely, you should not be considering something like this. So mm-hmm. this is essentially saying, I can do it, but I'm, not, I'm choosing not to yep. because I would rather have my dollars doing something different. Right. Because right? this is typically people who are leveraged in other adventures like real estate, right. mentored in business, having their dollars working from their places and business. I don't want to tie up my capital into a policy into getting this death benefit when I can have my dollars working for me. Okay. But what I would prefer is that I still need that estate planning or my family needs to be protected and I need a lot of it. Right. right? And I can do it at a very cheap cost because the bank's paying for it. And the only thing that I actually have to pay out of pocket is the interest charge. Right. Right. And you can get a very, very cheap interest charge at the same time. Right. So if I'm paying $100,000, you can get, you know, rates right now, probably two, 3%, like maybe even lower. Like I'm just, I don't know the exact rates right now. A lot of times they're like Wall Street Journal Prime plus a, a couple basis points, et cetera. You'd have to look into it, et cetera. If you wanted to work with someone to do it, like we could obviously set it up. We'd work with attorney CPAs, making sure the, the insurance company's on board, make sure it was right fit for you looking into all of those things, but just throwing random numbers out there. So if I paid a hundred thousand dollars into that premium finance deal, right? Yeah. So can I just re- yeah, repeat yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. I actually really appreciate where you're coming from because well, there's a lot of people that are talking about premium finance as a cash play. A lot of times we're using IUL and in a perfect scenario that the caps don't go down and all these beautiful things you're, you're seeing this income stream and it's amazing and a death benefit. And we're not saying that that's not possible. We're just saying that if if you're selling a product based on leverage and how things work out and and you're going to make this amazing money, we're basing on a lot of assumptions and in most case scenario, in most situations, it's you're going to be disappointed. We're just telling you that straight up. 
But just how we love leverage and how we we talk about you know the power of the end asset, you can put your money uh, into a policy, you can borrow against it, the death benefit and cash value grow over time. You can do that same thing, premium finance, by essentially having access to the capital, having the bank fund the policy, and you're still having all the um, opportunity cost um, benefits of having access to capital, hopefully building your wealth while you have your death benefit. And then there's so many other benefits of like you could have a place to pour money in in the future, all that. So I really appreciate where you're coming from because a lot of people talk about premium finances this like this this will be amazing when it comes to income. And we know because we know the industry, it's like you're telling me that you're basing your financial life on an illustration, like 20 years, nothing changes, risky. And that's what I'll say. So I just commend yeah. you. And I just want you to know how valuable that is by someone speaking to you straight because you're not going to hear a lot of people talk about that. Well, when we talk about the end asset, the end asset is specifically for somebody who wants to focus on growth and right. growing, right? They they still have time in their side to go build. Yep. So, hey, I need to go build my business or I need to go build in real estate, et cetera. I can have access to my cash value, um, borrow against it and use it to build and produce. When it comes to premium finance, you got to understand your policy is essentially being collateralized to where the bank has control of that, to where you can't just have access to that cash value whenever you need. So it's not a growth mechanism to be right. able to borrow and use because the banker is saying, hey, I need collateral. I'm collateralizing this right now. You're only going to maybe have access to a very, very, very small amount, if any at all, based on the current growth and how long the policy has been enforced for. Um, so it's just something that people have to consider as well. Like You can't just in like an, an and asset type deal, I can borrow whenever I want. You can't just do that when it comes to these types of premium financing deals, which is why it's another reason to consider like this really shouldn't be for a lot of people. If you're still trying to build wealth and try to build this massive empire, you know, you're going to be better off 100% hands down focusing on an and asset, living intentionally, unlocking it and, you know, doing all the things that we preach and talk about. I love it, man. Um, so um, we've talked about who it's for. Right, we talked about that it should be for the the wealthier individual. Talked about essentially what it is, and I think it's kind of um, important to maybe conceptualize. You talk about something that someone can see from what that's on a day to day life. So, if you have a house, right? Um, like, let's just say uh, we're just oh yeah. So, I have a house. This house is worth a million dollars. I have let's just say my bank account over here. I have two million dollars. Okay. Okay. Could I take my one million dollars of this two and buy this house? You, you could. I could. Yes. But would that be smart? Um, if I, I mean, it depends on the outside numbers, but if, but probably not. Yeah. Most people that are somewhat financially educated around math and money, etc., would not take my million and buy the full. Unless your name is Dave Ramsey. Unless- <laughs> I would say majority of people would say, yeah, I would yeah. use a bank because my $2 million can be productive and I can earn a greater rate of return. Be careful, our face is in the corner. Oh, that's a great point. So the erasing is there. So I'll just put it down here. Okay. Okay. So the bank is then how you would fund. That's correct. Yep. A percentage of that. Yep. Okay. So think of it conceptually the same exact way. I have a life insurance policy. Yeah. I have a policy. Wowzers. Okay. Okay. I have the million, the yep. two million, but I'm choosing not to. Instead, yep. I'm getting a loan from the bank. Makes sense. To fund my policy instead because I understand leverage and I understand control of capital. And I would rather take this one to two million dollars and go use it for other other activities. Yep. Okay. So it's the same thing. This two million, instead of funding it into my policy, I'm going to get leverage 
um, from the bank to be able to fund my policy. Makes okay? sense. And at the same time, what ends up happening when you take the loan out? You need to do what? You need to get um, a loan and you yep. also need collateral. Yep. And, and what is the collateral in this situation? It's the house. Yep. If you don't pay, et cetera, they'll take the house. In this situation, if something goes south, the bank can essentially take the cash value in the policy and they That's have right. that collateral. So conceptually, think of it as the same way of like how it can be used, in, et cetera. Right. Okay. So, and, all, and, the, and, and the whole concept is I can be more productive with my $2 million in the bank than shelling it out and either putting it into um, a property or a policy. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yep. Okay, so here's, here's something that I want to just point out in why this is not essentially great for a cash value piece as well. Okay. okay. There's a... There's a... A point in time where you have to figure out the exit strategy. Yep. Right. And at that point in time, like, what are you going to do? Typically, somebody may have a business that they're going to sell. Yep. They're going to get a large lump sum of inheritance. That's right. Or you have the means to do it somehow. Or you could use the cash value of it. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so if I have a, a policy where I'm essentially putting in $100,000 a year, that means I was getting a $100,000 loan from the, the, bank. the bank. Right. Yep. And typically, these can be a lot more than that as well. 3% of 100000 is... 3,000? Three, yes. Yep. Yes. So then the second year is going to be 6,000. The third year is going to be 9,000. You do that over a period of time, you're going to get, you know, $50,000 of interest, yep. you know, that can accumulate. And that's money that's coming out of your pocket and add right. those all up. That's a lot of money that's actually yep. coming out of your pocket period of time. There's a point too in the policy where we haven't broke even yet. Yep. So if I put in $100,000, let's say the first year I have $70,000. Yep. Okay. In that moment in time, I have to also post collateral. Yep. Uh, that is the collateral that I have to pull up from my business, from sure. a stock, from yeah. cash, yeah. whatever it is. And so if you don't have collateral to also put up, then it does, you just can't do it yep. as well. So it's something to consider is like, you have to have money, you yep. have to have liquidity, yep. you have to have uh, a large estate purpose, yep. you have to have all these different factors involved to it. And yep. so I built up this massive, this massive uh, um, cash, cash value. value in my policy over a period of time. And then at the end of it, I don't have anything to pay for it except for the cash value. Right. And usually it's uh, over 10 years. Yeah, typically 10 years. You, 10 know, year you want these things to, to, you know, to crew and build and to, yep. to do. And so the, the theory is you'll have more cash value at 10 years than what your outstanding loan is. Yeah. Because, well, you know, at the end, there's That's like hope. there's a balloon payment essentially where you now have to pay off the whole yes. thing at once. Right. Because it's interest only. And then after a period of time, 10, 15, depending on the terms, you are now required to pay all that back. So how do we pay it back? Whatever the perp, whatever we discussed, it could be the business, et cetera. But if you're just a normal person without any any direct exit strategy, it would come from the cash value. Yeah. Okay. So we've I've actually looked at the math in this thing, and if I were to fund a policy of a hundred thousand dollars a year into a policy, okay. Yep. I actually am funding my own money to it. Yeah. Okay. And then I take a hundred thousand dollars from the bank, borrow, right? Yep. Fund my premium finance deal, pay the interest, okay, yep. onto it. Yep. Okay. Then take my cash value, pay off, yep. right? Actually pay off the loan from the premium finance deal, right. right? I will have more cash value in my typical and asset than I would available into of course. My 100% of the time because you have this thing that's building. So you're going to be better off and you've paid a ton of interest along the way as well. So you're going to be way better off in the long run actually doing and funding an and asset than you would to be doing is if we're looking at it from a strictly a cash value perspective. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that is 
I guess you're charging 3% instead of just paying for the premium. Mm-hmm. So that that's a factor that needs to be in play. But the, the pushback to that, in all fairness, is if what are you doing in an external account by not mm. paying the premium? So to do an apples to apples comparison is you are correct. If you're playing, if you're just looking at the policy on one scenario, you're saying I'm paying out of pocket and I'm not paying any interest. The other scenario, you're saying you're having the bank pay and I'm paying interest. And so you're saying at the end of 10, 15, 20 years, this account will be more healthy than this account after you pay back the loan and all this. 100%. The, my question is, is if, if the person that used the bank, what are they doing with that other, with that other money? Mm. If it's just sitting in a savings account, yeah, you're, you're not, math is not on your side. If it's, if it's building other assets, you could make the argument that you will be, you're, you're going to be good. You also can make the argument that this person's sitting on money for the next 10, 15 years and not leveraging it. And so that's, that's problematic as well. So overall, um, I think we both can agree that premium finance is for the person that can pay it, chooses not to, and then they need to have an exit strategy. And what you're saying is if the exit strategy is to pay off the loan with your cash value, rethink your decision. But if you have a business that you're selling or if you have an inheritance that you're getting or potential windfall, this, I mean, this could be an amazing vehicle because now you just have this massive asset. You didn't really give up a ton to build that asset. And oh, by the way, you're going to have other assets that you're going to be able to backfill into the policy. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and I mean, there's some slight risk. I mean, not slight, but there's definitely some big risks that yeah. are involved with this as well, too. I mean, these are funded typically with IULs. Yep. So IULs are um, a product that, let's say a 2008 happens or 2007, 2008, where there's three years in a row where the Dude. it's credited zero. Yep. What happens at that point? The bank lended you 100000 You put in your money. You hardly have... You don't have a ton of cash value in IUL in the first year anyways, right? The second year, you hit zero. The third year, you hit zero. Fourth year, zero. So now you have four years yep. of, of just say $17,000 of the $100,000, but you've lent out $400,000 from the bank, which means you now have to have collateral yep. for all $400,000 of that. And that's got to come for your business. Right. If it's using stocks, it's got to be twice yep. as much of that. There's a lot of risk yeah. that can be involved. Uh, obviously, that's a worst case scenario. Yeah, worst case. What obviously. most people would say is, oh, in the history of the market, there's never been three or four down years. Uh, what I would say is what's what's more likely is for whole life or IUL to underperform the illustration, mm. whether it's cap rates, whether it's interest rates, whether it's the insurance companies changing their mind, whether it's um, them increasing the cost of insurance in, in a group of people. Like these are all things that they can do. That's in my opinion. No, it's a good opinion. A pundit on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion. That could be a greater risk. And by the way, whole life is not, um, exempt from all these things too. It's it's it just comes with the territory and and so yeah. These are it's important to know premium finances. I think we're gonna have more videos on this because there are cases. There's are there's case studies that you'll look like a genius when you do this and it's an amazing strategy. But you're just, you're you're playing with potential levers slash risk that you need to be aware of. Yeah, and one of the other things too is these these loan rates. They're they're variable for the yeah. most part, right? And so. If my loan rate goes up, and typically when it comes to dividends and caps, yep. they don't increase as fast yep. as loan yep. rates increase because typically insurance companies, what they're doing is they're taking their money and they're putting it in things like bonds, et cetera. Those things have to mature, et cetera. So the interest rates and the dividends and the cap rates will go up in the life insurance, yep. but it may take longer to go up at the same rate of whatever that uh, right. loan rate was. So if that loan rate now went to 5 6%, and I'm expecting my cash value should have went to skyrocket as well. 
that may not be the case for another two or three years. So puts another, you know, pickle in it. So ultimately, I think what we're stating <laughs> is saying is if you understand it, you understand what premium finance is, you understand who it's for, yep. you understand the pros and the cons, and if it's right for you and you still want it and you understand the ins and outs of it, then it could be a very valuable tool for the right person. If you're still watching this video, you're a hero. <laughs> you're you're a huge fan and we appreciate you. So like the video, comment below, give us topic ideas because we want to be relevant. We're going to continue to share the world. Um, to live intentionally. And um, premium finance can be an amazing strategy to do that if you understand all the pros and cons. So with that, thank you so much. Continue to live intentional life. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.